Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of a podcast called Live. Thank you for listening. My name is Nate Kachera, the host, of course, and today we have a guest star. He is known to some as S.H.I.E.L.D. He's known to some as DJ Cal 27 but to those dear to his heart, he's known simply as Dylan. Dylan, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know you're a big uh, Huskers fan. Sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's a rough road. It's uh comes with its ups and downs, mainly some downs, but, you know. Joba Purdy, mini Brock Purdy, one could help. He is going to be the savior of the season, I know it for sure. But of course, we're not here to talk about football. Of course, you can check out my other podcast, Football Why. But anyway, enough of the uh, sponsors, enough of the ads, the namesakes. So what we're really here about, Dylan, you know, we're here to talk about life. Life has wonderful journeys, you know. Uh, one could say God works mysterious ways. Oh, that's something I wanted to ask you about, and I think it'd be a great thing to talk about on the show, would be um, your journey through the military. I know that you're a military guy, but also there's so much mystery and vagueness surrounding that. How'd you get into it? What's going on? So many questions, so little time. Yeah, so uh, in high school, I always kind of was interested in stuff. So I went to uh, Catholic high school, so it would be a private school. So we didn't have like a bunch of recruiters come on to campus and always talk to us about a lot of stuff. So um, I ended up finding a recruiter on Facebook and I messaged him and kind of talked back and forth with him a little bit. I got a, a little bit of information, you know, some of my friends in high school, we'd always kind of talked about maybe going into the military. So, you know, I talked to him a little bit and, and something just didn't feel right, you know, so I, I kind of backed off of that a little bit. That was like the summer after junior year of high school. So then senior year came around, you know, football, sports, life kind of happened and kind of just faded to the back burner a little bit. So, you know, senior year comes around, gets close to graduation, figuring out where I want to go to college, end up going to college at USD and freshman year rolls around and we get through freshman year. And I meet uh, one of my friends and she was in ROTC at USD. And, you know, there's always kind of been like a little, little voice in the back of my head that was always just kind of like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is, maybe this isn't what it is. I don't know. So end up being friends with her uh, again. She's an ROTC and just end up talking to her one day, you know, Hey, I've always kind of thought about this. And so she gets me in touch with her recruiter and, you know, um, he did a really good job, answered all my questions, made sure that I was on the same page and I knew exactly what was going to happen. And, um, you know, I took uh, AP classes. So for those who don't know, it's advanced placement classes in high school. So you take college classes in high school. I was fortunate enough. My school offered that. Um, So I came into college with credits already. So I ended up taking an entire semester off of college and I did basic training and then AIT, which is advanced individual training um, all in one semester. So you go to basic training uh, roughly 10 weeks and that's where you learn like all the soldiering stuff. So, you know, formations, how to march, how to shoot, how to just be a soldier in the military. And then you go to advanced individual training where you learn to do the job you enlisted for, you know, whether that's a uh, uh, heavy truck driver, infantry, whether it's cook, whether it's, you know, mechanic or whatever that job is, that's kind of where you go for that. So went uh, to AIT for eight weeks and then ended up getting back from that, um, finished school and 
applied to grad school and, and, uh, now I'm in grad school and, you know, kind of thinking once I graduate grad school, um, go to school for physical therapy. Once I graduate that I can direct commission as a officer in the army. Um, I can stay in the national guard if I want to and commission as an officer in the guard, or I have the option to commission active duty as an officer of physical therapy. Um, so, you know, it's been, it's been great. You know, military provides a lot of benefits for school and, and I think for me, like just growing up being a man, like I had was blessed with very good parents and a very good male role model. But, you know, sometimes you take those things for granted. And and so like going to the military and meeting people who didn't have those opportunities and weren't provided those things really gave me some perspective of, you know, what's really out there in the world and and how people live, you know, I mean, just to without naming names, a buddy that I met at basic trainings from New York. And his dad left when he was two years old and his mom's been in prison for 15 years. So it was him and his brother and they didn't have anybody else. You know, the, the foster system kind of, they burned out of the foster system. Nobody wanted them. They got to a point where they were old enough where nobody really wants like a 13 year old and a 16 year old kid. Right. So, you know, a lot of people just kind of passed them by. So his older brother joined a gang so that they could, put food on the table essentially and it got to the point where his brother was getting into some rough stuff and basically the guy the kid that I knew his younger brother uh joined the military so that he didn't have to live that life you know and so from a kid from South Dakota you know yeah a good family upbringing a good father and uh, mother and good siblings and good relationship with my family like to get to meet somebody like that and he just talks about it so casually you know yeah. And so it just gives you some perspective outside of, you know, anything to do with political stuff or anything like that. You just meet so many people and just learn so many different things. So, I mean, it's, it's been great for me and, you know, here we are and have a look back. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I guess to, you know, realize how blessed you are. Isn't that amazing? Like yeah. just, you get humbled so quickly and uh, just meet different people around the world. That's bottom line awesome absolutely um is there anything else you want to touch up on the the military there like everything the military's done from you i know it's helped you through school quite a absolutely. bit um do you have a couple stories uh maybe a couple funny ones about a basic training or something sure so there is a so something you do at basic training and so i went to a basic training at fort jackson in south carolina um we went I was there from May to July. So it was, you know, probably 9,500 degrees and hundred percent humidity. And, you know, you're in full uniform and full kit for a good amount of it. So that's always a fun time. Um, <laughs> but we did this thing called victory tower where it's a rappel tower where you're hundred feet up in the air and you rappel down the tower, you know, so they obviously teach you how to do everything. They've got instructors who are certified in it and teach you how to tie the harness yourself. And then they check your harness, you know, do all the good safety stuff. But um, there was a kid who was terrified of heights. Yeah. <laughs> so they basically, what they had to do was basically have a drill sergeant above him and below him. And they basically like baby Bjorned him down the tower because the kid was in tears crying at the oh, top of the tower. No. You know, of course, the drill sergeants have a heyday with that. So everyone was just standing there staring at this kid screaming bloody murder and crying <laughs> and snots going everywhere and he's just like moving down the tower like three inches at a time oh, you know no. most people jump and then come back 
uh, to the wall and you'll jump away from the wall. This kid was like just walking backwards very slowly down the wall. So <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a pretty good one. It's always fun. I mean, and then you have the stories of like, oh, you know, so and so did something stupid. So at two in the morning, we got the door kicked in in the barracks and they yelled at us and everybody got up and we went out and ran a mile because somebody did something they never really tell you but you blink and you wake up about halfway through and you're like oh this is great <laughs> sounds like quite the punishment there i guess i don't envy you in that uh, aspect or anything like that but yeah very interesting um also i do want to touch up on thanksgiving as that's coming up close here but uh, I will say that you are, in fact, the Dylan that we mentioned in our last podcast about being our bruiser on our uh, co-ed basketball team that was one game away from the championship. <laughs> Woo-woo. Dang it, Brock. I'm calling you out. But uh, do you have any uh, fond memories from our co-ed team playing basketball? Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy because um, Eric, who's been on this podcast, yep, before, yep. he and I went to high school together. So And we roomed all four years of college together. Um, so... I actually met Nate through basketball. Yeah. Um, so that's how Nate and I met was through co-ed basketball and how I met one of our other really good friends, Zach. Um, we were just playing pickup basketball in the gym. I think I just got done lifting and I went over and I think Eric had a class with Zach I, or no, it was it a lab great. or something. Um, and so ended up just running into two random dudes at the gym. We played a pickup game of basketball, and they were kind of like, oh, you guys want to make a go-ahead basketball team? I'm like, sure, why not, right? Might as well. Don't have anything better to do. So then, uh, yeah, we ended up doing that every year, and, you know, Nate and I became really good friends, and Zach and I became good friends, and, you know, what started as just a pickup game. For me, like, the co-ed basketball was fun and everything and almost making the championship, but what was really cool is I got two of my best friends, you know, to this day, here we are, what, five, six years later, yeah. you know, uh, to this day. Yeah. <laughs> From a pickup game of basketball to co-ed basketball, um, got two of my best friends in the world out of it. But I would say like specifically basketball wise, I remember the year that we got Joey to play on our team. Oh, and we yeah. finally had somebody that I didn't have to guard the biggest guy on the floor anymore. I was so happy about it because I'm like 5'11 and three quarters, six foot. And I'm guarding guys that are like 6'4, six, 6'5 six, because <laughs> Eric is like 6'2. But he likes to guard people who are a little bit faster. And I was, again, as Nate mentioned, I was a little bit more physical than most people were. So I guarded the biggest guy on the court. And thankfully, Joey, who's like 6'5", now I had an excuse to not have to guard those kind of people. So felt a lot better about myself, you know, not getting basically destroyed in the paint because I literally put my hands up and it comes up to the guy's nose. And then he just <laughs> kind of sets the ball on the hoop. So that's fun. But Classic. You got to love it. Good b-balling and all that. But yeah, let's cut to the second half of the segment, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, I know Eric and I had mentioned a few things in the previous podcast, but uh, so for Thanksgiving-wise, first of all, what traditions do you and your family have? You know, I mean, I would say we have a pretty typical Midwestern family tradition. You know, we go to the grandparents' house and everybody comes there. Um, we do turkey. Uh, you know all the creamy casserole sweet potatoes everything like that you know we do the big food everything and and we just kind of hang out and play games you know it's it's truly nothing big or crazy and we don't have any like super wacky traditions but it's really nice because you know I'm a 
big family person. So for me, it's nice. I don't get to see my grandparents super often. They live out in Omaha. So between school and like everybody working and things like that, you know, and the grandparents are getting older, it's nice to be able to go out there and just relax, hang out, eat a lot of good food and, you know, play some games. Uh, we typically like to play like card games, you know, so like hearts or something like that. Um, that's typically what my grandma and grandpa like to do. So, you know, nothing too crazy, kind of the typical, you know, movie. Oh, everyone goes out to the family for Thanksgiving, <laughs> a bunch of good food, good people and everything. So, you know, and it, it's different now. It's um, my older brother and sister are both married. So now, you know, sometimes we have like two or three Christmases because it's, oh, Christmas with the family, Christmas with the in-laws and then Christmas with, you know, extended family and things like that. So. You know, it's always just a juggling act to try and get everybody there and figure out all the logistics of who's going to be where, when, and and things like that. So, sure, sure. So uh, this game, Hearts, it intrigues me. Give us a play-by-play analysis of that. I don't. I'm not sure if I know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but maybe I do. Yeah. So uh, basically, Hearts is a game where um, you just play with a deck of cards and what you don't want to do is end up with a bunch of hearts. So the hearts are how you get points. Um, the way you got to do it is you either give people your hearts or you play without going into a super huge in-depth description of how to play hearts. Basically, you don't want to end up with the heart cards, you know, so like two, three, four, five, six, all the way up to king and ace. Or what you want is to shoot the moon. So you take all of the hearts, you get all of the points, and then you end up winning. So basically, you suck so bad that the game feels bad for you, so you quit. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds like my kind of game, if you know what I mean. Yep, that's what I try to do. <laughs> Oh man. So uh, another question, though. Let's think about this, right? Like a future perspective. So let's say you want to do something wild and crazy, but like Thanksgiving-themed. Right. What would it be? Like skydiving out of Macy's Turkey? Like, where are you going with this? Honestly, I think for me, it would be who I had at Thanksgiving. I don't think I'd want to do anything like crazy that wise. I would have it okay. crazy by who I bring. To Thanksgiving. Ideal Thanksgiving turkey. Who are you bringing to share this meal? What's going on? Ideal Thanksgiving. Go. All right. Jason Kelsey is going to be there. Travis Kelsey is going to be there. Has to be done. Um, I think on top of that, I would probably go with... It's mm, a good question, Nate. Indeed. Travis, Jason, Kelsey, I would say probably like Chris Hemsworth, just because I like him as Thor. Um, who else? Oh, Joe Rogan, I'd want to be there. And then probably like Jocko Willink. Um, I don't know if a bunch of people know who he is, but he's a retired Navy SEAL commander and he's just kind of crazy with all the things that he's accomplished so i'd like to see him for that reason joe rogan because he's joe rogan he's great conversationalist you know great interviewer great just individual of character and things like that and then jason kelsey because he's the best center to ever play football for the best team to ever play football (laughs) and then uh travis kelsey because i just like those two together they're hilarious so i could just picture it now uh travis kelsey jason kelsey just fighting over a turkey leg 
while they're doing a play-by-play of how to play football. Right. Uh, Joe Rogan, he's interviewing everybody in the room. Anything that moves. One minute, he's like, stuffing. How do you stuff the stuffing? Next minute, he's like, yeah, anybody can make cranberry. Right. You know, and then you have uh, Jocko Willis, who's just like putting everybody in the chokehold, making them tap out. <laughs> and then I just see madness around the room. Oh, and I gotta, love it. Grandma's got to be there, too, because she cooks the best food in the world. So And Grandma's swinging an iron pan at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but what does she cook the best? Ooh, I I love her, food. Just saying, her green bean casserole is pretty pretty undeniable. Uh, she cooks good turkey. She's just a really good cook in general. But her green bean casserole is pretty much to die for. I mean, that's, wow. My mother is a phenomenal cook, and that is the only thing that my grandma, I think, for whatever reason, just you could do the same recipe, same everything, wouldn't taste the same. Just doesn't. Whatever she does, it just it is what it is. Can't be beat. Oh my goodness. Can't be beat. Well, I would say for me personally, for Thanksgiving, I think I am going to bring a bunch of sports personality in the arena. I want Pat McAfee. I want Bob Euchre. I want, um, I'm going to throw out like Max Crosby. Um, I just want a lot of persona. I also want Patrick Mahomes there. Just him, though. Not, not his extended family. Maybe his dad, though. I think his dad would be cool. I think so, too. Um, home senior, just because um, wild stories about him from the Canaries uh, right. in South Dakota. Right. If nobody knew that, uh, those of you listening, he did play for a South Dakota semi-pro team. Yep. Um, he didn't practice, and he had a microscopic ERA under one. So that's insane. And it was like, I think, a point five nine. That's insane. So that's giving up less than half a run a game. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's all right. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. He was in, he's in the Hall of Fame here, of course. But he pitched 11 seasons in the majors. But I want to see some of those people as well as probably Bill Belichick. I just want to hear him talk. Yeah. You know, to see if he says more than, yeah, no, no, yes. Yeah, it would be interesting to sit down in a room with him and just, just see who he is as an actual person, like outside of like, because obviously he hates interviews and then sure, you sure. can tell just by the way he acts. But it would be interesting just to sit down in a room and like talk to that guy. Because like hearing some of his former players and people just talk about him, they obviously have a lot of respect for him. So it's just, it'd be interesting to sit down in a room with him and, and see what he has to say. Also, a guy like John Daly, the golfer, right. the only person to beat Tiger Woods drunk. Yeah. I mean, such a functioning alcoholic, but good Lord Almighty. I remember. He is something to – a sight to behold. I remember hearing a story. He, uh, They were playing a tournament, him and Tiger, and Tiger was out there, you know, practicing and hitting some golf balls and hit the gym and everything. And John Daly's just sitting in the bar drinking and having a, having some food and – Tiger Woods walks by, and apparently John Daly ended up beating him the next day. So Tiger did all of the right things. John Daly was like, I'm just kind of here, and then showed up and just played. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, that guy is just a whole other animal. That reminds me of a guy named Max McGee. You know who Max McGee is? No. Wild guess. Baseball player? <laughs> Good guess, because I do love baseball. Uh, former Green Bay Packers. Oh, yeah. Second guess. Anyway, so in Super Bowl one, right, he was the MVP of the Super Bowl. Right. And you know what he was doing? He was up till 3 a.m. at a, I think, either a gentleman's club or a just bar hopping spree, right? Oh. Because he was like the fifth string wide receiver. He was in his 30s, and he's like, there's no way I'm going to play. There's no way I'm playing. <laughs> and it turned out one of the receivers got hurt, and he's in. 
And he's like, oh, dear God, you know, <laughs> like smelling salts. Somebody get yeah. me some, you know. Wake me up a little bit. He ends up being the Super Bowl MVP. He has a catch that you can Google because this is from, I think, like the 1960s, I want to say. That's when Super Bowl one was. I want to say 64, but I could be mistaken. Oh, I think you're right. uh, Bart Starr throws a pass in the end zone. Off his hands, catches it, bobbles it, catches it with one arm towards his helmet, like like he's carrying a boombox in the nineties. Doing OBJ stuff before OBJ did. Literally. So he has a couple touchdowns, phenomenal game. He's like, boys, I just need to take a nap. I just need to go home and sleep. Like, everybody's popping <laughs> champagne. He's got like sunglasses in the locker room. He's like, dude, not again. He's just like, somebody get me a bed. <laughs> it's a bed and two bloody Marys, probably. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, it's just crazy things like that. You know, I, I do love that in sports. Just like the unpredictabilities. Yeah. Um, you know, the the underdog winning. Do you have any good underdog stories? Just bounce around that brain of yours. Um, well, I mean, my dad's kind of so my dad and my mom when they got married, they were uh very poor. Like very, very okay. poor. So like my dad does very, very well for himself now. Sure. But like he was working three or four jobs, you know, my mom got pregnant, had my sister. And so now he's got a wife and a kid to take care of. So he's working yeah. three or four jobs being an underdog and, and my grandparents. So my grandpa was in the Navy for a lot of years and my grandmother was a nurse in the operating room. So once they retired, they had a lot of money coming in because my grandpa, when he got out of the Navy, worked at a steel mill for like 45 years. Holy yeah, cow. Worked at the same place for forever. And so, and so did my grandmother. So their pensions were crazy because my grandpa got his naval pension and he got the pension from the steel mill and my grandma got her pension from the hospital. So once they retired, they did very, very well for themselves. But once, you know, when they were growing up, they weren't making a ton of money. So my dad basically came from nothing, ended up getting into college and could afford college purely based on a football scholarship. Um, you know, I mean, he was a whole whopping five foot 11, 5'10", like 185 pounds, played center, right guard. You <laughs> wow. Know? Went on to be like six foot, finished growing. He was like six foot, 260, and just Jeez. a monster of a human being and still is to this day. He's 57 now and still can bench press 365 pounds. So, you know, he's doing okay. <laughs> what? But um, he uh, <laughs> went and played semi-professional football and, you know, ended up having kids and and worked multiple jobs the whole time. So, like, he was just an absolute workhorse of a human being and, you know, worked his way up the job ladder. And yes, he is where he is now and does very well for himself. And, you know, so that's for me, that's the biggest underdog story. Not that he was, you know, discounted by everybody, but, you know, there was a lot of things that he could have not done and wouldn't be in the position that he is today. So, you know, again, kind of referencing what we talked about earlier I'm very fortunate in that sense of like there's a there's a saying that I always love and it's hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard and that to me is like a true scenario of no like that actually can happen and it does happen you know you may not see it now but eventually Johnny Manziel Johnny Manziel right probably one of the most athletically and gifted athletes on the planet just didn't care yeah didn't care about it nothing at all and then you got a guy like, not to reference the Eagles, but a guy like Jalen Hurts, who traded or, or transferred around in college, kind of looked down on. They were like, eh, he'll be all right, you know, and you know, he's 
playing great football and you know and anything you hear about him is well he's put in more hours in the film room than anybody else he's in the weight room more than anybody else he's, he squats 600 pounds yeah, as a quarterback as a quarterback yeah and he's out there like holding other guys accountable for their jobs and everything and making sure they get their film in and if they're not he will go in the room and sit with them and watch it and like so like just people like that you know that's that's something to me that really sticks out and you know i think my dad in a more at home sense for me was a very good role model in that way so you know and that's just kind of how his dad was too you know his dad or my grandpa was just a very like indestructible man's man like i'm not gonna let the world get me down i'm just gonna work harder and outwork all my problems and you know that's just kind of something that i value you know look looking at life it's not always sunshines and rainbows you know everybody's you know, nobody goes through the same life, right? Everybody's got their problems. Everybody's been through things that other people haven't. And so like to look at somebody and be able to, fortunately for me to be able to look at it in my father's sense of just, you know, not having next to anything to making a good living and, and having a good life with a good family and everything like that, you know, that to me is a great underdog story of, you know, it doesn't have to be rich in fame or anything like that, but it can be starting from humble beginnings and getting to somewhere where you're always comfortable, you're happy with life, you know, and that's something that I think a lot of people can take for granted. You know, it's not all about how much money you get and how famous you are or anything like that. You know, I think working hard for the things that you have and having a good family or, or, you know, if, if family isn't in your cards, right. You know, it, having good friends, having a good circle of people around you, you know, I think that can be a good underdog story of, you know, not necessarily starting with those things. You know, some people struggle with like social anxiety. So a good underdog story could even be, Hey, I made two friends this year. Right. I mean, that's, that's huge for that person. That's like a monumental change, you know? So I think, while underdog stories in like, you know, going from, oh, I was flat broke to now, I'm, like, look at Steve Harvey, right? Sure, He's yeah. A, you know, game show host of the family, or family feud. Yeah, family feud. <laughs> um, and uh, like, he was a comedian for a long time. He lived in his car and everything like that. And, you know, he's a pretty humble guy, but, you know, he always says, you know, you don't have to be rich and famous. You know, I don't do this to be rich and famous. I do it because it's what I love and it's what I like to do. And I think a lot of times people miss those kind of messages. So, you know, I I think underdog stories are amazing and, and I think they're all around you. You know, you just have to get to know people. And and like, you know, that's kind of like your point of this podcast, right? It's life. Yeah. Everybody's got a different life, man. And it's just, it's cool to sit down and talk with somebody about what they've been through and, and where they want to go you know, the things that it takes to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, life, what is life? You know, there's so many different realms of possibilities where you can go, the choices you make, who do you become, who do you look up to, Right. who's around you, what makes you you, what makes you tick. And I think uh, a lot of your stories today, I, I love it. It's so uh, encouraging, positive. That's, that's what we want to bring is positivity, man. Because no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, success is the eye of the beholder. I feel like in our generation, we were solely brought up with like, if you don't go to college, you will not be successful. Right. I feel like that was beaten into my head senseless. <laughs> like to the point of knockout after knockout. And then once you do finish college and you try to get to the job spectrum and you try to um, do something with your life, you're like, oh, wait. You know, if I went to a tech school for something, I'd be doing just as much. 
Or, you know, if I started working a nine to five job right out of high school, I'd be just as successful. Right. Like if you're contributing to society, if you're doing something that you don't hate, now you don't even have to do what you love. You know, you can always do like a hobby. You can always do something else that you actually love. Like, you know, you just, just contribute, just be yourself, just do what you can do. Yep. Don't let other people tell you what you can and cannot do, but always keep it realistic. Don't be like, I want to be an astronaut, but don't put in the work. Right. Absolutely. I don't know, just little things. But speaking of astronauts, that reminds me of Dobbs, Joshua Dobbs. How cool would it be to be a quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings and also basically be an astrophysicist? Is that something like he is? He's some stuff like with, uh, yeah, with like that. NASA and whatever. Yeah. But like, I don't think it's actually NASA because NASA isn't a thing anymore. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly what I think he interned at NASA once upon a time, but that's absolutely insane. And when you see his parents watch um, the game, because they've been at both or all three games this year, um, they are some intelligent people. Yeah. Like we're talking masters, doctrines. I'm like, wow, just yeah. to be that gifted and you're playing football as a hobby. No, I know it's crazy. And you know, and playing at the highest level and making how much money doing so just cause it's something that you love, but you know, you had other options of, you know, being an astrophysicist or whatever, whatever. <laughs> Solving world peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, nah. Yeah, it'll be all right. You know, that actually reminds me, right? So he's got actually several different degrees or whatever. That reminds me of a guy in the, I think, I want to say it's like the 1950s, whenever World War II was, so right yeah. in the 40s. Yep. So there is this guy who played with Babe Ruth in the 20s. He was a backup catcher. I don't remember his name. It's going gonna, it's gonna to haunt me. I remember his story. So he was basically a spy. Because he he would play baseball in the 20s. He was a professional uh, baseball player. Uh, he played for three different teams. I think he went to Princeton. And he got, um, I think, three or four master's degrees and then doctorates while playing baseball after he graduated with two degrees from Princeton. That's right. And That's he came from a family of, like, lawyers, doctors, and he became a spy. And then um, after that, because uh, he was in a – something that would, would become the CIA, I believe, yeah. the, the forebearer, whatever. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish I had more details. I do. I just forgot them. Alas. But uh, anyway, this guy, just you know, a big guy. They call him the professor and stuff like that. Super cool. But you know what he did after all of that? Hmm. He died in debt. That's crazy. Because man. he didn't do anything else afterwards. He would just ride his cottontails of fame of being a uh, you know a backup catcher on a baseball team. Yeah. Pro wise and just chill with his like homies like you know Lou Gehrig or Babe Ruth or whatever and be like, hey man, what's up tonight? You got me. You got my son. You know. Yeah. I'll get you <laughs> and, I, and then I see guys like you're talking about like a Jalen Hurts or a Joshua Dobbs right now and they're still going. They're still working. Right. And like you said that. Uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. I think of many guys in the NFL uh, or baseball-wise who are just like, yeah, man, you know, like Ken Griffey Jr., a big name in baseball, he never, ever um, read scouting reports. Right. When his first, like, 10 years or whatever before he was traded to the Reds on Seattle with his dad, he's like, yeah, I just showed up and just hit it, you know, react. Right. right. It's like, that's insane. Yeah. And then he started doing, you know, scouting reports as he got older, slower, whatever. But I just think, like, you can only ride so long on just, right. like, pure talent. Right. So let's say you you were born to be a paper clipper. 
Like, you're the best person to clip papers. Right. <laughs> well, you have to keep working to be better because somebody's always better. Like a Tim yep. Tebow example, dude, somebody's always going to be stronger than you. He's like, I'm the strongest guy in this gym. Right. Well, what about the millions of gyms around the world? Right. There's always somebody that's going to be more talented than you. 100%. You know, yeah. you can be hometown hero of whatever you want to be right but eventually you're going to go somewhere you know and you see that a lot in college right like with a lot of not just college athletes but even like if you talk like academics hey i'm the smartest guy in my town i never had to try in high school sure and then you show up and and like i've seen it in grad school you know i'm in grad school for physical therapy and you know i'm surrounded by a lot of intelligent people who i think are a lot more intelligent than i am sure and you know, some of them never struggled in undergrad. So when they got to grad school and it was at a pace and the level of information was a lot harder to understand, they didn't know how to study. So they struggled because they're like, I've never had to like fight before. Yes. You know, whereas like for me, I'm very grateful that, you know, I've had to do that. And, you know, I've had to try and I've been through hard stuff. So I'm like, you know what? Like I have the tools to do this. I know how to do this. And you know, I think that's something that goes overlooked a lot of times is that, you know, people look around and they go, well, this person just rides the coattails of life. Like, yeah, eventually it'll run out. You know, it may not be that day, that year, the next 10 years, right? But knowing that you've done everything that you can do is something that I think is a value or like a trait that a lot of people overlook because it's not about everybody else, right? Like XYZ person, whatever they want to do, they can do. But as long as I've tried as hard as I can and done everything that I can and I'm satisfied with my day's work, I think that's that's something to be spoken for. Absolutely. I think, uh, as you're saying, adversity, it's mm. not always a bad thing. Nope. Just because you struggle doesn't mean better things aren't around the corner. But also it could not. And you could just keep, you know, keep the boat turning, keep yep. moving, keep rowing, keep getting on that paddle. And eventually you'll get out of the lake or... Maybe the lake's your home. Exactly. You know, it's all about the eye of the beholder. Absolutely. God, know, life just truly is just one giant big mystery. It is. And either you love it or you don't, or you learn to love it. Yep. Or you learn not to. Sometimes it's just up to you, listeners out there. So closing up, final thoughts. Um, I know Christmas is around the corner, so I'll be uh, brief about this. Uh, what are your top three Christmas movies, either right now or ever, or just um, even upcoming. Yeah. Uh, favorite movie of all time is Christmas Story with Will Ralphie. Oh, yes. Uh, Jim Carrey's The Grinch. You know, <laughs> not the animated one, the the one where he, it was, I don't know if you'd call it like live action, but sure. like, like dress up in the Grinch costume and stuff. That one's my favorite. And then some people may not consider this a Christmas movie, but Home Alone. Always classic. A classic. Always a classic. Those got to be my top three. Oh, man. So I love um, Home Alone as well. I love Elf. Mm, that's a good one. Um, And then I just got to go with like Hallmark movies. Like yep. those cheesy rom-coms. Yep. I just eat that up. Dude, my mom always is watching the Hallmark channel. Anytime I go home or like around my folks' house, the Hallmark channel is always on. Dude, Christmas. you got to get that 25 days till Christmas. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. No, it's just uh, it's just something about like knowing that something good happens at the end, you right. know, just a real feel good story to oh, yeah. kick off your morning, your night, your afternoon. It doesn't matter. All three. <laughs> oh man. Get some chicken leftovers from Thanksgiving, a couple cold ones on a uh, salami, you know, get some bread going there. Watch some Hallmarks. Like yeah. I do. Maybe some leftover apple juice, dude. I mean, you love it. Can't beat it. 
All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. Okay. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, thank you for listening to a show called Life. And thank you for listening to our podcast called Life. Thank you for listening. Please listen again. We'll be trying to drop every single day on a Wednesday. 